You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, May 16th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home News Writer Ryan Scott. Happy Monday, everyone. How's it going? It's going good. I, it's going better for me. I um, I've been going through this like a, I've been having a off and on for the last like two weeks. It's it's not COVID. It's nothing contagious. Um, I just want to say that I'm not sure if if everybody knows this, but like um, with my health insurance, I have a thing called Teladoc where you can actually like just FaceTime a doctor. And do a doctor's visit virtually. And uh, I got some prescription medicine through that. And it was awesome. And I, I had been putting off like actually going to a doctor. And uh, I'm sure many people have this thing. I just wanted to speak the uh, the wonders of Teladoc. Uh, I too have dealt with the wonders of Teladoc somewhat recently. And it is, I can confirm, it is great. Yeah. So you have no reason to put off, uh, you know, if there's something bothering you, you could literally just like call them on the phone. It, it, it's it's amazing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's No, I agree with you. It's great. Yeah. Um, but I am feeling better now. Uh, let's get into the news. Let's talk about the box office this weekend. Uh, Firestarter. That was a huge hit, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't even honestly, I don't even know how many people are even like, it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of awareness, but uh, <laughs> a new adaptation of Stephen King's Firestarter was released this weekend. 
Um, it was the big new release. Uh, the other thing is it was simultaneously released on Peacock as well, streaming. It made, you know, $3,800,000, you know, came in at number four. Not great. Um, There's no question the simultaneous release didn't help it. It has a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was reviewed very poorly. The audience score is only at 49%. Just not good. My suspicion is that Universal suspected that it was not a very crowd-pleasing product, that's why they did the simultaneous release. Uh, the good news is it only has a $12 million budget. So even if it can kind of limp to like 20 million worldwide and, you know, whatever it can do for Peacock that, you know, it's not really like a total loss. So that's the nice thing about keeping your budgets low, everybody. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about the the big winner of the weekend. I guess that's Doctor Strange 2. This is uh, in the Multiverse of Madness. It's second weekend of release how did it do okay so the headline here is that dr strange in the multiverse of madness easily won the weekend with a 61 million dollar second weekend that's very good um <laughs> look it's it but but i i don't think i'm the only one looking at it this way right now but yeah, it, yeah. but but it is we are we are perhaps starting to see the first cracks in the seemingly impenetrable armor that is marvel studios um 67.5% drop for second weekend um, that tied Spider-Man No Way Home and is second only to Black Widow in terms of the biggest second weekend drop ever for a Marvel Studios movie. Now, when we look at those comparisons, Spider-Man No Way Home was coming from a much, much, much bigger $220 million opening. And it also then had Christmas week to contend with. So like Christmas Eve and stuff getting in the way. You know, that all accounts for the 67.5% drop. When you're coming from a higher high, it, it's not quite, you know. It, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 whatever. Um, and, and Black Widow was also simultaneously released on Disney+. Plus, So it was very front-loaded, and there's no question that that Disney Plus release hurt its second weekend. Doctor Strange, there was no major competition this weekend, as we just discussed. There was no holiday in the way. It had a clear runway. So, yes, it did win, but nothing was in its <laughs> way. So the only thing we're left with is word of mouth clearly does not seem to be as strong for this as it has been for a lot of other MCU movies over the last decade. Now, what we're really going to have to wonder is next weekend when Downton Abbey and Men release, and then especially the weekend after when Top Gun Maverick releases, how quick is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness going to flame out? Look, this movie's still probably going to cross a billion dollars worldwide. It's going to be a gigantic hit. Yeah. Nobody. Well, I, I want to say that Downton Abbey and Men. I don't think the people seeing either of those movies are gonna like. It's not like they're going to be pulling. It's not like I'm like, oh, uh, what do we see this weekend? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or Downton Abbey? Um, let's go I, see Downton Abbey. I agree with you. I think that's actually a bit of a brilliant bit of counter programming from Focus Features there. Yeah, but I do think there's a bit of cro bit more crossover with like Maverick. the adult maybe men men though actually even a little bit um but yeah no top gun maverick for damn sure yeah but so how steep are these drops going to continue to be again you're still going to end up with a billion dollar hit there's this is it is already past the the total gross of the original doctor strange this is a hit i'm not saying that but what i am saying is the drops are something to really pay attention to for the mcu now like is this is this going to happen with thor love and thunder is this going to happen you know is this going to happen with the other movies, the other thing to consider with No Way Home, though, is that 
the holds after that first week were better than expected. So, you know, if Dr. Strange can continue to hold okay, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I just do think that, you know, maybe some of these, um, Marvel shows sort of occupying more time, maybe mood night, not, you know, sticking the landing with a lot of people. Maybe we are getting a little oversaturated. Maybe people are having a little tough time keeping up with all these characters and storylines. Maybe it is getting exhausting to people. Maybe Dr. Strange wasn't as good as that Rotten Tomatoes score would lead you to believe in the eyes of the general public. You know, like it's, it seems to anecdotally, I can tell you that people are like, when I just talk to people about it now, it's like, Oh, it was good. Okay. Whatever. And then they just move on. It's not like there's no, like there's no resounding conversation like there was with no way home. So good, maybe not great is, is what's maybe damaging this. Um, So I don't know. That to me is the big thing that if Marvel can't get back to the, the notion of like, you know, being the must see greatest thing in the world, and let's keep in mind that Marvel is the is the guaranteed hit that movie theaters need right now. Still standing as a guaranteed hit, but if but if they continue to start sliding, even if it's a slow slide, you know, this could be a problem. So worth paying attention to. I, I just feel like it's I don't know. It, it, I don't think it's right to diagnose this as it's it, it's a Marvel problem. Uh, I think it's a a a non crowd pleasing movie problem. You know what right, I mean? Like- and I'm, right. But, but, I, but no, no, I agree with you. That's, that seems to be the issue with Dr. Strange here, but yeah. Moon Knight seemed to sort of fall into that same, like it didn't quite get the, you know, reaction. Eternals was the worst reviewed Marvel <laughs> movie ever. Marvel, yeah. Marvel studios movie ever. So what, and black widow, the reviews were similarly middling, had a big drop, didn't perform, resulted in a big lawsuit. I mean, if we're looking at phase four so far, it's a bit met. It, it's it's not it's well, coming off. You got to You got to include Spider-Man then there. And that's right. No, no. I'm saying films. Spider-Man is is that. But but if you take Spider-Man <laughs> out of it, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like even Shang-Chi was a was a good hit, but a little over 400 million. That's also not really up there with yeah. what you're used to with the MCU. So I'm just saying that even in the good case right now, it's, you know, you take Spider-Man out of it. It's, it's a bit of a, and let's, and let us not forget Sony mostly benefited from Spider-Man, no way home Disney. Meanwhile, yeah. you know, so, so that's well, all I'm saying is that, the, you know, phase four right now is a bit, bit of an interesting case so far. I, I think Shang-Chi did well for like the first film and it doesn't really feature other marvel superheroes i mean it had a cameo or no no shang chi shang chi did well i'm not discounting yeah. that but and i think shang chi has i think we're just has- getting like uh our expectations were upset by like black panther and you know captain marvel and i feel like there was a couple in a row there that like it seemed like marvel was gonna every Marvel film was going to reach like this new pinnacle of a, a number. And now uh, we're, we're back to, you know, I don't know. Like I, I, I reacted on Twitter about this because there was a, a bunch, like, I think deadline was uh, ran something about Dr. Strange being a disappointment at the box office. And I'm like, I don't know how you consider $1 billion at the box office uh, internationally, a disappointment for a film like Dr. Strange one made how much money? Like six hundred seventy-seven million, I believe, was the final number. No, no. So, so it, like to be clear, Peter, I, there's yeah, no yeah. version of this. There's no version of looking at a billion-dollar movie as a disappointment. <laughs> what I'm saying is just like, but like I said, 
Why but we live in a world where a Doctor Strange movie, like Ryan, if I had called you 15 years ago and was like, "There's going to be a movie about Doctor Strange, and it's going to make more at the box office than a Batman movie." Yeah, that is absolutely fucking wild when you put it that <laughs> way. But but no, but no, but so again, I'm again, I am totally agreeing with you yeah. on that. Like, there's no version of this that is a financial disappointment. Hell. Even Eternals getting to 400 million worldwide with those reviews, that's pretty impressive. But I am just saying the the completely infallible, bulletproof nature of the MCU as it exists. It, it, the, you, again, you are seeing where the cracks could start to form. And you are where, seeing where, that- where do you think this is happening? Is, do you think it's like Feige and that team being stretched too thin now that they're doing all this TV for Disney plus, and then they're ramping it up for how many movies they're doing per year theatrically audiences. Maybe I think it's, I, I don't think this is one of those things where it's any one thing. I think it's a combination of too much product. I think it's a combination of all of that product can't meet the insane standard that the MCU has set for itself. That's going to be a problem. I think, yeah, maybe it's a bit stretched too thin. Maybe it's a bit having less of a clear direction in phase four than we had in phase three leading up to Endgame. The aftermath of Endgame, the pandemic, you want me to keep going? Yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, you know there, there, there's a lot, you know, so what I'm saying, it's, it's, you know, but it really does come down to the MCU has set an unbelievable standard for itself with moviegoers that it's going to be tough to, to meet that moving forward and and you know that's the only thing and then at what point do audiences start viewing these as not every one of these is essential for them you know that's where the problems could start yeah i mean i definitely see that's going to happen or is happening i i do need to ask you the selfish question ryan before we move on because you know you helped me with my summer movie wager list i put dr strange at number two i put it above Thor, Love and Thunder, and now I'm starting. I'm starting to have uh, hesitations on if I, if that was a good move or not because, you know, with Doctor Strange two, it seems to be petering off at the box office, and Thor, Love and Thunder could be a more crowd pleasing hit. That it, could it could Thor, Love and Thunder overtake Doctor Strange at the domestic box office this this summer. It could. Um, I, I think the thing to remember is that when we were talking about those, you know, predictions <laughs> is that the one thing I believe there's I believe I did mention that like the the yeah. the, the unknown here is reviews. Right. And, and public opinion on this stuff. Yeah. And that was the thing that could change if Thor Love and Thunder turns out to be like, as well, I'm not blaming you. I, I think we all thought Dr. No, no, totally. Be, yeah. But so what I'm saying, if Thor Love and Thunder comes out of the gate and it's like as loved as Thor Ragnarok. And you have all those people that caught up with Ragnarok after the fact, and you get like a bump from like, if you look at the bump from Thor, the dark world to Thor Ragnarok, if you get a similar bump from Ragnarok to love and thunder. Yeah. You could be looking at a, we could be looking at a bit of like a weird upset where like Thor love and thunder makes more money than Dr. Strange, which would be surprising, which would be very surprising. Um, yeah, but like, you know, but again, it's, it, it goes to, you know, that B cinema score, which is, good for a lot of movies but for marvel again their brand is a you know that they've got an a brand in terms of cinema score stuff typically so you know uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you i think that could happen now okay let's move on let's talk about uh pixar's next film they have released the first concept art in the in, in information on this film it's called elemental and it's from peter Sohn, who uh 
was the guy that came in and uh, directed The Good Dinosaur. I, w- I wouldn't. I, I know that film has gotten it, it's uh, uh, it's gotten a, a bit of hate. I don't think it's his fault. He came at the last minute trying to save it, and uh, it turned out to be what it was. And I, which which I actually enjoyed it somewhat. I liked how it looked and uh, uh, in, in what it was trying to do, but it wasn't. Uh, as successful as the Pixar films before it. Anyways, so Peter Stone, you, you probably know he has been involved with Pixar films for, I mean, since uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Finding Nemo. So he's been a story artist and a production artist and an animator on Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, Wall-E, Up, um, all, all, all the all the Pixar films, and he also you might also know that he sometimes provides the voice of characters on the film. film. So like in Ratatouille, he was Emil and he was squishy in uh, Monsters University. He was in in the upcoming um, Lightyear movie. He socks the cat. So, so uh, yeah. So anyways, his, he's doing the next Pixar film. It's going to be called Elemental and we have the first bit of concept art, which uh, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, is this like for some reason I, I saw it on Twitter and I was like, I thought this was a frame of the movie. And I was like, wow, this is going to be incredible. But it turns out it's concept art makes more sense that way because it's kind of <laughs> like this weird, uh, I don't know, like watercolor ish design. Uh, I will uh, read a couple things here. I'm going to read from uh, he. uh said it's based on his own childhood growing up in New York. Quote, my parents immigrated from Korea in the early 1970s and built a bustling grocery store in the Bronx. We're among many families who ventured to a new land with hopes and dreams, all of us mixing into one big salad bowl of cultures, languages, and beautiful little neighborhoods. That's what led me to Elemental. So what is Elemental about? Uh, in a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together, a fiery young woman and a go-with-the-flow guy will discover something elemental, how much they have in common. Um, I will say that from the brief synopsis, it, it seems like uh, that the theme of the film is kind of like hammered home like way too obviously. So I hope the film isn't that obvious with uh, what it's trying to do. Ryan, what what are your thoughts on Elemental and what they've shown us thus far? It's like a, it's like almost like a weird like Pixar version of like Avatar: The Last Airbender with all the Elemental stuff in it. But uh, but um, <laughs> but no, I mean, look, it's it's one piece of concept art and a little bit of a synopsis. It's Pixar. Yeah. I'm I'm inherently on board. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's no Pixar. I talked about this a bit in something else I wrote recently, but Pixar is one of the most reliable cinematic brands not just in animation that we have ever had, you know, Pixar is an unbelievable house of quality. So like if the good dinosaur is the worst movie you've ever released, Jesus, <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. that's, that's, that is a, that is a crazy good batting average. You know, like if that's the worst movie your studio has released in almost 30 years, that is unreal. So, you know, um, of course I'm on board, especially because, the last handful I've, I've missed Luca and turning red, but the last handful of original Pixar's I thought were ridiculously good. You know, I yeah. thought Coco was incredible. I thought onward was 
very underrated and I soul I thought soul was phenomenal so and you know I've heard nothing but great things about Luca and turning red so I mean you know the, the I mean what more can you say I mean it's Pixar still so of course of course yeah and I think it's always helpful when you have a Pixar film that is coming from a personal place from the filmmaker um and this one seems like it's a has has that and uh, also it, it's interesting because Pixar I remember back in the day when like Monsters Inc came out and like they were like we had to learn how to make uh Mike you know he was like this hairy guy like they didn't have the technology to do hair so that was like the film that they had to make that work and now in this film you have characters that are fire characters that are water characters that have like earth growing out of them it, do you know what I mean like it, I don't know it just seems like this is uh the non-obvious but now that you think of it the obvious uh end point to what where they were trying to go so anyways um so elemental and that is coming out when is it coming out it's coming out in june 16th 2023 and we we, we only have this concept art to go from um okay let, let's go from that let's talk about netflix we've been talking about netflix for a while now and what uh you know with uh the, the stock plunging with the subscribers going down you know, how are they going to fix this? Uh, I'm not sure that this is part of the plan of fixing things, but it's it, they have plans now to get into live streaming. Ryan, tell us about it. Yeah. So now this is something I've, I, I kind of have thought Netflix should consider for a while because the notion of like a live premiere can be a thing. But yeah, so so according to Deadline, uh, as reported uh, uh, late last week, um, a, the streamer is exploring the launch of live streaming. Uh, the, the, the plan is for, for Netflix to roll out this capability uh, with some unscripted shows and stand-up specials. Um, so the idea is that certain unscripted shows and stand-up specials would have like live premieres on the service. Um, you know, and then you could use it for like live voting for competition shows and things like that. Um, they have an upcoming competition series called the Dan dance 100 and then there uh you know so that's an example of, of, of something um you could use that for you know uh and then they also have like you know the netflix is a joke festival recently so you have you know a ton of stand-up performances that happen during that and and again that could be a live premiere thing but essentially the idea is for stuff that would benefit from a live audience netflix is considering doling out that capability now there is a lot of cost associated with that and a lot of infrastructure associated with that. A lot of server demand associated with that. <laughs> Shutter has experienced that with, uh, they have, um, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, Shutter is a relatively small streaming service compared to some of the other big boys out there. The first time they did Joe Bob, it crashed their servers because there was so much demand for like a live premiere. So, yeah. you know, sometimes these things can, can, yeah, but, 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 uh, but it can, but, but, but Netflix is used to like, a ton of people going to their service at midnight when Stranger Things, the new season drops. Yeah, totally. And and so like and again, like if Shutter's been able and, and again, Shutter's seen a lot of success with that with the last drive in, uh, like they trend on Twitter almost every weekend when the last drive in premieres on Fridays. Like I remember one glorious weekend a few years ago, Wolf Cop was trending worldwide on Twitter because of the last drive in, you know, like, so like it, you know, there, 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 there's some value to that live premiere stuff. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so, you know, it, I, I think it's a reasonable enough move. It just depends what they use it for. See, I'm going to take the devil's advocate here. I, I, I think live streaming is a bad idea, Ryan. And the reason why I think it's a bad idea 
is usually when you're capturing content live, it's a worse product. And by that, I mean, like, if I film a stand-up show live, if I had the ability to edit that after the fact from, you know, I'm able to choose the best angles. I'm like, I'm not just at a switchboard making decisions live off the cuff. Like, I can actually make good editorial decisions that make the product more cinematic and better. Um and I, I just feel like this is Netflix going more into the crap. Like, it, you know, it, 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 for me, like, you know, filming stuff and presenting it live costs a lot more than, uh, you know, uh, than probably doing it. But like, actually, maybe, maybe it doesn't cost a lot more. Maybe with, with, with the infrastructure that they've built, maybe it doesn't cost a lot more. But it just seems easier. It seems like an easier way to produce content. Like you, you mentioned with this uh, Netflix, uh, comedy festival like they they could put all that online live and that's like a ton of content that they were able to create without uh you know in comparison to like what like red notice which probably took a year or two to, to put like you know to put together that two hours and uh this uh comedy festival takes a lot less to put, put together and to produce that content i don't know, like i i get live content especially with sports and Maybe um, you mentioned like unscripted reality shows where you got to vote and stuff. But I, I think even in those scenarios, it's better to pre-tape and air the live or, you know, air a version of the edit and then get the votes and then pre-tape the next. Do you know what I mean? Like, look, I get it. I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying I think for certain stand-up specials, like did you watch Gerard Carmichael's new stand-up special? It's no. on HBO Max. So it's phenomenal. It's so good. But like the editing clearly benefits it, of course. But like I think that like you you're not you're not saying that like you can't still do that for like certain standard specials. Of course you can edit it. Of course you can do those things for certain for certain reality shows. Of course they can still edit it. But I'm just, just saying like, like oh, why does it make it any better other than I guess your your argument is it makes it an event. It does make it an event, and 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 it just adds a little something to their, especially if you have like um like like a big comic or something and you're like we're doing a live thing with this person and because it does add another dimension to it especially in an in an, in an era when everything is available all the time i think the idea of like people because because again i go back to what shutter does because i don't know how you are with the horror stuff but i watch the last drive-in whenever i can and it's very fun to sort of like have something that's premiering live you're like on Twitter, everyone's live tweeting. You can sort of like, you get to have like the fun experience of a live premiere. It's very fun in terms of like doing something at home versus going to a theater. It's the thing I enjoy the most for sure. So like, so I can very much see that for people that get into like certain reality shows, if they're, you know, whatever stuff like that. I, I, it's just, I think I mostly feel this way because I've seen it work with other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, you know, Netflix has a big enough catalog and enough stuff that, I think it would make sense for them. I agree with you that in some cases it can make for a bit of a rushed product, but that is part of the charm of a live thing, right? So, you know. Yeah. And I'm also the person as a kid, um, there was that show Rock, I think it was called, that aired on Fox. And like the gimmick was that it was a sitcom that every week would air live, like, you know, like they used to do back in the day. Um, So they'd be filming it live and, You'd be watching, and I, I think the whole appeal of it was to see if someone would mess up their lines or something would go wrong, and that almost never happened. 
So um, I don't know. I, I, there's definitely something there to doing things live. It's just, to me, I don't know. It just seems like a, uh, a cheaper way. It also seems like when you are making those events, like you're talking about, like a event, like that makes these Netflix has already been thought of as like their content is, you know, they release it this week and then next week it's forgotten. And I feel like it, it, you know, they have this like stigma of being disposable entertainment and I feel like that makes it more disposable because if I haven't watched it live, then it's 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 not worth watching, you know, two hours later. Um, I, I think maybe that's true, but I also think it generates a lot of engagement at the time. Um, look, I think it's worth trying. I think if you're Netflix, it's certainly worth trying. Yeah. And, you know, you you can generate a lot of investment in a thing that way. Um I, Again, I'm not I'm not saying it's going to work for sure for Netflix, but I don't see any reason why you wouldn't at least try this with with some of your program. It, it gives you another again, we've talked about diverse Netflix needs to diversify in some way. Getting into live content is a form of diversification, and I don't think that's a bad thing to think about. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. For sure. OK, uh, that does it for today's Slash Home Daily. You can find more of all the work Slash Home.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at com, And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.